Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the Soundtrack to a Life. Hello and welcome back. I am Chris and this is the Soundtrack to a Life. It is January and as is traditional in January, people take a look back on the year that has just passed and take stock of how it went and uh, what they enjoyed. And this is a music podcast and I figured that I would do that with regard to music. Because a lot happened this year in my life. A lot happened this year in the music world, a lot happened this year that I missed, but none of that's going to get covered because I missed it. This is just about me and how I interacted with art over the course of 2018. We're going to be talking about shows this episode. We're going to be talking about albums that especially affected me in two weeks' time on the 15th. So here's how I went to shows over the course of 2018. In February, Chelsea took me to see the Dead Deads and Hailstorm and Stone Sour. She is a huge fan of Corey from Stone Sour. She has seen him in various bands, I want to say five times over the course of her life. And she really wanted me to see the show with her and have that experience. And we did, and it was actually a really interesting one. I get why she's such a big fan. He has an incredible energy. He puts on an incredible live show. Uh, Hailstorm Crush It as everyone who I went told me in advance that they were. The Dead Deads have a really weird, fun, spiky energy to them as well. It was interesting because these are not three bands that I would instinctively choose to see. Like, it was a show that somebody would have to bring me to, rather than expecting me to go on my own. And I'm really grateful that Chelsea did, because it was a ton of fun to start off the year. In March, and we already did do an episode on this back in March, but if you haven't heard that, in March we flew to the UK to see a bunch of shows and for me to turn 40, and it turns out for Chelsea and I to get engaged, and with the benefit of nine months looking back on it, it is still one of the best three-week periods I've ever spent in my life. I got to see the Stereophonics play in their hometown for the rowdiest crowd that I've ever seen. I got to dance on stage at Bell and Sebastian. I got proposed to in the rain outside of a Morrissey show. Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox was a ton of fun. Open Mike Eagle was a ton of fun. Stiff Little Fingers really reconnected me to a very classic punk spirit. Sleeper took me right back to my high school self. London is a beautiful city. Cardiff is a beautiful city. Newcastle is a beautiful city. The Tate Modern has some of the weirdest shit I've ever seen in it in a way that I very much loved. And I just came back really recharged and vivid and ready to attack my life, which I think I did. We actually have a poster of the night sky, the night of the Morrissey show where we got engaged up in our kitchen that Chelsea brought from a nearby observatory that I'm looking at right now as I record this. So that was my March. I could not have asked for a better birthday. And then in April I went to 
Electric 6. Now, we go to Electric 6 every year because Electric 6 are a blast live. This year, Chelsea could not join me because she was having a lot of trouble with her eye. She is undergoing treatment for an issue with her eyes right now, and it was especially bad. So I went on my own, and that's a shame. I would have liked to have shared that with her. But we saw Electric Six play at the same club the year previous, and we will be seeing Electric Six play at the same club next year. They come through town every year, and Chelsea has recovered, and we're going to see them again, and they're going to be great. And if they come to your town, you should see them too. They are fun to see. We had three shows in May. Early in the month, we went to see Papa Roach, who, again, that one was Chelsea's choice. That was not somebody who I probably would have chosen to see if it had been left up to me. But again, it is something that I am glad that I got taken to. I love the energy in the room. Uh, I love the crowd. Papa Roach are really fun live. They clearly love what they do. They had a very large and very enthusiastic mosh pit, which I always appreciate in a punk show. I had an absolute blast. I was not familiar with the two opening acts, Escape the Fate and Nothing More, but they were a lot of fun to watch as well, and it was overall a really great experience. And then midway through the month, we went to see Queens of the Stone Age with Lucas and Sarah, because Lucas had done an episode of this show about them crooked vultures, and in the aftermath of that, I had gotten into Queens of the Stone Age, so when they came to town, I felt like, I should go and I should invite Lucas to go with me. And Chelsea comes with me to almost every show, and Sarah also wanted to. So we got some tickets together, and we went to a very loud rock show, and that was fun for everyone. And then at the end of the month, we saw David Byrne, and David Byrne was actually surprisingly bucket listy for me. I love and have always loved the Talking Heads, they're going to be featured on this show as soon as I can line up a guest who wants to talk about them. If you're listening to this and you live in Calgary and you know me and you want to talk about the Talking Heads for an hour, let me know. I will organize that. And it was such a weird show to see live. He's touring on the back of a really strong solo album and he still has a really distinctive visual sense to him. Chelsea came out of it with me and commented that it was more of a performance art piece than it was a concert, and she's not wrong. None of the performers were rooted, and it wasn't a set that they were moving around. It was a blank, unadorned room, and they did things with light and shadows and synchronized motion that was just unbelievably strange and compelling. If you did not see David Byrne's American Utopia tour, you really missed out. It was a really fascinating show by an artist who is having a really interesting resurgence right now. And that was May. In June, we saw Flaming Lips as part of Sled Island. It I think Flaming Lips was probably the token band for the olds, but I count as one of the olds now. So I watched the fuck out of Flaming Lips. Flaming Lips are so far over the top as a live set 
that I can't even start. Like it's a really intense communal experience to watch them play. If David Byrne was doing Spartan choreography around an empty stage and proving that less is more, Flaming Lips are very much subscribing to the more is more philosophy. For their first song, they fired off uh, four confetti cannons and then dropped about a hundred beach ball-sized rainbow balloons onto the crowd as a thousand strobe lights went off. And as the song ended, Chelsea turned to me and went, that was their first song? How are they going to raise the stakes from that? And they raised the stakes for every subsequent song in really unique, inventive ways. The Flaming Lips have always been like a really weird band on the cusp of getting really huge. And they've always treated their experience like they want to change you from the experience of listening to them. And having seen them play, I totally get how they would expect that because that is very much something that they do and something that they're good at. They create music and they play it live, but more than that, they create an experience, which I like a lot. In July, we saw three shows as part of Stampede. Every year for Stampede, we go when a band that I like is playing because we're not big rodeo people. So we pick a day when we especially like the band, and then we head down, and then we catch someone, usually someone Canadian, who we think we would enjoy the show of. Now, in this case, Chelsea's brother works for the Stampede, and he offered us all access passes. So in addition to going once and spending the day on the Midway eating Midway food that is deep fried and playing Midway games, we went, uh, I went four times. And Chelsea went four times, but not the same four times as me. So I wound up seeing Sloan because I will never not see Sloan. They are a goddamn national treasure that everyone should appreciate more than they do. Even if you appreciate them a lot, it's not enough. I saw Our Lady Peace, who we had seen once already, but who are excellent and really suit a festival environment. I saw Platinum Blonde because, you know, see some 80s rock. Why not? I had no other plans that day. I knew like three different songs by Platinum Blonde. And Platinum Blonde, it turns out, ton of fun to see. Why not just go to a concert sometimes if you have the night off, right? I would happily see them again. I like them the rare instance that they had played at Hang the DJ. They turn out to be very good and good for them. And then we saw 5440. At the closing of the Stampede, which 5440 are also a goddamn national treasure, going in, Chelsea asked what their song was, because she was not familiar with 5440, and coming out, she admitted that she recognized basically every song that they did as they were playing it. She just didn't know who performed those songs, and I suspect there's a lot of that going around with that particular band, because they are really good, and they soundtracked a larger portion of the 90s and early 2000s than they're giving credit for. So I feel like there are a ton of people out there who recognize specific songs by that band. And if they come to your town, again, you should see them. And if you're in Canada, they will probably come to your town. Canadian bands tour a lot, and it's always worth checking out when they do. 
And then, not as part of the Stampede, we went to see the Melvins later in July, which, again, weird, spacey, psychedelic rock, not as gigantic a show as Flaming Lips, as far as production value goes, but still a really weird, scuzzed up, muddy experience with a really devoted crowd of fans around us that I did very much enjoy. We saw two shows in September. At the beginning of the month, we saw Andrew W.K., which, as you would imagine, was a party. And it partied hard, and we partied hard watching it. I have never seen a more uplifting and relentlessly positive performer as Andrew W.K. I have never seen a crowd of people respond more viscerally to a performer than the crowd at Andrew W.K., and I also did not realize until I was seeing Andrew W.K. that Dickens keeps its mosh pit unregulated as far as crowd surfers go, which I think is a ton of fun. I'm sure people have been hurt crowd surfing. I've never seen anyone get hurt crowd surfing. And I do feel like the mosh pits at most music venues are a little bit over-regulated. I'm not saying for no reason. I'm just saying it was fun to see a crowd lose its mind in the style in which crowds regularly lost their minds when I was the sort of person who would routinely jump into a mosh pit. And Andrew W.K. himself is an electric performer. He is a positive human being who has a very clear love of what he does. He thrashes out at a piano, which I always appreciate. He loves everything and everyone and wants to share that love with you. And he is something that we need more of in the world. And I appreciated the chance to see him. Also, his new record is just really good, and that helps too. And then at the end of September, we saw Rise Against with AFI and Anti-Flag opening. And of the three, the one that I was most familiar with was the opening act, because I had gone on a anti-flag kick in high school and then had not thought of them subsequently. This is another one that Chelsea suggested. Rise of Against were a ton of fun. AFI were a ton of fun. Anti-Flag, really, I was surprised at how much they took me back and put me back into the shitty high school punk mindset that I was rocking at that age. And it was great that I can still access that part of myself, you know? And the two bigger bands, also great. We went to that one with Mandy and Erica, and uh, we met Arlene there, and I don't know if I... Oh, and Daniel. And everybody just destroyed that concert, because it's a fucking punk show. What do you want? It's stadium punk. You have to love it. It is physically difficult not to love. And then in November, we saw two shows. We saw Clan of Zymox, a European, like, synthy goth band from the 80s, touring on the heels of a re-release of one of their classic 80s records over at Dickens. And it was really interesting to see, like, an older, smaller, much more devoted crowd for a band like that. Calgary is a pretty good punk town. So we get a lot of punk shows, which makes sense. That's what the town 
supports Calgary, had a terrific punk scene. Calgary currently has a terrific punk scene. So larger punk bands know that they can come here and sell out shows. But Calgary's goth scene is comparatively smaller. So there are fewer bands that cater to that. But when a band like Clan of Zymox comes through, everyone shows up because a band like Clan of Zymox is only going to come through once or twice in a year, if that. And it was fun to see all of the scene kids out looking their best, feeling their best, seeing a band that they had loved since high school. And then still in November, I didn't go to any shows in December. Still in November, we closed out the year concert-wise. We saw Stiff Little Fingers a second time. We had seen them in Newcastle in March during my birthday trip because I wanted to spend the last day of my 30s at a punk show in Northern England. And they were the band that we chose to see. And then they announced their North American dates and they were coming to Calgary and they were playing at Dickens again. And the first time in the year in March that I'd seen Stiff Little Fingers, it involved a 12-hour plane ride and then a three-hour train in order to catch them in like a giant theater. And this time they were literally across the street and playing in a grotty basement club. So what am I going to not see them? And both ways were terrific. Stiff Little Fingers is one of the classic punk bands that laid down the template for what a certain type of punk rock would sound like. And it is shocking how well they have hung together. They sounded great. They looked great. The energy in the room was unbelievable. Uh, I got to watch a 20-year-old punk kid with strategically paced safety pins through his bondage pants and an impeccably quaffed mohawk, trying his best to look like he belonged there. I got to be the 40-year-old punk in cargo pants, a military-style jacket, holding a pint and standing at the back. And I got to witness a 60-year-old punk with a granny haircut in a pastel shirt, freehand three beers to a table, neck all of them by herself, and then jump into a mosh pit. I love the Stiff Little Fingers audience because they, both times that I saw them this year, have an audience that is conservatively 30 years older than any mosh pit that I've ever seen, and just giving it. They fear nothing. And I love watching somebody who's like 20 years older than me be awesome. Because it really, as a person who wants to be awesome uh, well into his 60s, it gives me a lot of hope and a lot of energy to see somebody else doing that. And Stiff Little Fingers are great for that. Plus, fucking Inflammable Materials is one of the best punk records that ever got made. Full stop. And they should be talked about in the same breath as The Pistols or The Clash. And I think they are, and I think it's for a good reason. If they come anywhere near you, go see them immediately. I don't care if you don't like punk rock. They will change your mind. And that is my concert-going experience over the course of 2018. And I think that it was a good one. I have a f bunch of shows lined up for 2019 that I'm considering. I know Nico Case uh, just announced in town. I know that Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox is coming to Calgary, but I'm told that they have different vocalists each time and therefore do different songs. So I'm probably going to give that a kick. I'm always looking for excuses to road trip. Uh, there will be more shows in the future, but these are the shows in my immediate past. And I enjoyed all of them.
and I'm grateful that I went. And they deepened and broadened my appreciation of the bands that I saw. On an unrelated note, my Spotify thingy came out. I apparently listened to the Charlatans for a total of 53 hours, and I'm not sure how that happened. Are they my favorite band? Is that what Spotify is telling me with an algorithm? Because I do listen to them a lot, and I do like them a lot, but if you had asked me what my favorite band was, they're not who I'd have picked. So maybe I ought to start taking them more seriously and giving them more respect. Of course, I get everything that they put out the day that it comes out and listen to it immediately, so maybe I've already been doing that and I just didn't realize it. I don't know what the Spotify thing is for, but they gave it to me and it's a piece of information pertaining to music, so I thought that I would share it here. It was interesting. We're going to be back in two weeks, and I'm going to run down my favorite 20 albums of the year. I was going to do a top 10 list, but it was a really good year, and I didn't want to cut anything, so we're doing 20. This has been the soundtrack to a life. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast, SoundtrackCast.com. Tweet me, like this post, tell me on the Facebook group, what was your favorite concert that you went to this year? How did it affect you? I would love to hear about that. This has been Chris, and I will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.